Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Mace Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So, I know that a couple of you guys listening to this will realize, hey, Aiden's not on time this week with her podcast. Well, I'd like to start off this episode by apologizing because I have been so incredibly busy the last couple of days, and this this day has also been quite busy, uh, so I am only just now recording this episode and uh, getting it all uh, edited up. It's very early in the morning and I am uh, recording this and I'm going to edit it and uh, hopefully get it out on time. I don't think it's going to be out on time, but I'm uh, definitely going to try my best. I'm really sorry, you know, Christmas <laughs> um, packing has been a little crazy and, you know, getting my uh, exams done and I just straight completely forgot <laughs> that I had an episode coming up and that it's supposed to be the last of the season. Happy end of season three, guys. I'm sorry I had to cut it short because I realized like while I was planning the uh, end of the season, which I planned to do in like, I don't know, like February or something like that, that I wasn't going to be able to record over Christmas break. And I didn't just want to have like a random break in the middle of season three. So I decided to just, you know, end it at episode 14. I know it's a little shorter than I normally do. I normally do like 19, 20 episodes, but eh, it's okay. 14 is fine because we're ending it off with a bang about Julia the Elder. Now, let let me tell you about my week (laughs) before I tell you about uh, Julia. So I saw Spider-Man No Way Home. No spoilers, of course. I'm not a bitch. I'd never do that to you guys, especially if you really care about the Spider-Man franchise like I do. But guys, if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home and you've managed to not be spoiled at this point, go and see it. It's beautiful. It is the best movie I've ever laid my eyes on. I still can't believe I watched it. Like It feels like feels like a fever dream that I had and not like an actual movie that I witnessed in the theater. Like it was just, it was too good. It was a little too good to be true. Oh, also this week. So I'm, I don't know if I ever mentioned this in my podcast, but last year for my grandma's birthday, I compiled like a family tree for her and I found out we're descended from Robert II of Scotland, which is very, very cool because it means we're connected to a lot of other royal families. Uh, and I've always wanted to make like a professional like looking poster um, of it. I'm sure you guys have heard me mention uh, Matt Baker from Useful Charts. I love his Royal Family Tree charts. They are so cool and so beautiful. And um, I want to do something similar with my family tree. So I did. I used Canva. Canva's awesome. We love Canva. Go Canva. Um, and I made like a very professional, like useful charts looking family tree. And I'm so proud of it. I'm gonna have to post a picture of it on Twitter, but I'm like really proud of it. Like it looks like really good and I'm so proud of it. All right. So enough about me. I'm sorry. 
Today we are talking about Julia the Elder. Now you may not have heard of her, but I'm sure you've probably heard of her dad, Augustus, first emperor of Rome. Now Julia, I've always wanted to do an episode on Julia because she's just so interesting. Like she was the only biological child of the first emperor of Rome and she is like so central to continuing Augustus's line because she was his only biological child and you know she needed to be there for Augustus to have heirs because obviously I mean she couldn't be empress of Rome because ugh, patriarchy as much as I love Rome they were far too patriarchal for me um yeah and she was also like such an independent-minded person like a lot more independent-minded than I thought she was you know she has this like really bad reputation in history of being like a party girl and like a bad mother but like you really look into it and you see like why she was like this and uh, the reason she has this reputation is because her dad kind of sucks so I've talked about Augusta sucks so uh let's actually get into her story and let's get into it guys Okay, so Julia the Elder was born on October 30th, 39 BC, in the city of Rome to Octavian, later known as Augustus, which is what we'll, we will be using to refer to her, her dad for the sake of my sanity, because I don't want to switch between Octavian and Augustus the entire episode, so we'll just call him Augustus for, you know, simplicity reasons. And her mother was Augustus's second wife, Scribonia? Scribina. No, Scribonia. Anyway, it's something like that. Now, what's interesting about Julia right off the bat is that we actually know when she was fucking born, which is like a very rare occurrence for ancient women that we actually have her specific date of birth and not just like a guess. So since we actually know her birthday, we will discuss uh, why we know that in a minute because it's actually really interesting why we happen to know her specific birth date. Let's talk about her star sign, which is Scorpio. You know, I I thought it was going to be a Libra, but then I actually had to check check the uh, dates. She's a Scorpio. So as I discussed in my uh, one of the mad episodes, she was a Scorpio. Uh, Scorpios are a very scary sign. Uh, Scorpios scare me in general. No offense to Scorpios. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> they have like really like cut a bitch energy and they're also like rebellious and passionate. And I think Julia like really fits this mold. Like I don't know if she's really cut a bitch energy. Uh, maybe. You never know. Um, but she was definitely rebellious and definitely a very passionate and independent minded person. And, like, she was such, like, a total wild child in her adult life. So her being a Scorpio, like, makes perfect sense for her as a person. Now, obviously, uh, like I've mentioned, it's kind of strange for us to know her exact date of birth because, you know, ancient women, they don't usually write that shit down about them. They're just like, oh, she was, like, maybe born in this year. Now, now I bet you're wondering, why do we happen to know that she was born on October 30th? Well, dear listeners, it's because on the same day Julie was born, her father Augustus straight up divorced Julia's mom, Scribina, and took Julie away. So the drama in this family literally begins the moment Julia is born, and it does not let up her entire life. So grab yourself a Roman goblet, strap yourself into a chariot, let's talk about her parents, and why Augustus felt the need to divorce his heavily pregnant wife. Hmm. Um, so let's start off with, uh, who Julia's dad was. Now, we, we've talked about Augustus before, but I don't really know if we've, like, gone deep into, like, his, like, 
like earlier years. Now, Augustus uh, was born as Octavian into a pretty powerful and old Roman family. Um, and he was a really ambitious kid, like right off the bat. Now, uh, after all, it ran in his blood. After all, on his uh, mom's side, he was Julius Caesar's great nephew. And while being raised by his grandmother, also named Julia, uh, who our Julia is named after, he got to meet his great uncle firsthand and became practically obsessed with being just like him since his uh, father died when he was young. So Augustus needed, you know, a father figure. Augustus had some daddy issues, which makes a lot of sense for him. Um, Augustus, he really wanted to break into politics, especially after um, his great uncle Julius Caesar was uh, retired. <laughs> and by retired, I mean he was stabbed death in 44 BC. And uh, Augustus was made his legal heir and his son, and a part of that was making uh, good marriage alliances. He wanted to uh, secure his power now that he had all this money, wealth, and status from being given all of Julius Caesar's stuff. Now, he first married a woman named uh, Claudia, who was ironically uh, Mark Antony's stepdaughter. Yeah. Now, still, Augustus and Claudia were together for about two years until Augustus decided he wanted to marry uh, Julia's mother for uh, political reasons. Now, as for Julia's mom, we don't really know much about Scribina's uh, very early life. Other than that, she was definitely from a rich Roman family. She must have had some pretty powerful connections if Augustus dropped Mark Antony's stepdaughter for Scribina. Um, we think her family might have controlled the Roman mint, which means her family literally printed money for the empire. So, cool. Uh, still, the reason her parents uh, even wanted to get together was because Scribina's sister was married to a guy named Sextus Pompey, who was uh, very powerful. Um, as far as I remember, I don't know if you guys remember from the um, um, like Cleopatra episode, uh, with Julius Caesar, he was in a war with this guy named Pompey, and I'm pretty sure this Sextus Pompey guy was uh, Pompey's son. So, Sextus Pompey, <laughs> Sextus, <laughs> had a lot of power just like his dad Pompey did. Now, Augustus wanted blood ties with Sextus Pompey, so he married Sextus's sister-in-law. But after a little while, Augustus kind of got sick of his new wife, like, real quick. Like, apparently Scribina was, like, a little, like, demanding and, like, kind of bitchy. And Augustus was like, oh, fuck, this is not worth it. So he started looking around for a new wifey, despite the fact that his uh, wife was really, really fucking pregnant at the time. Now, the minute Julie was born, Augustus, like, showed up to their house and was like, Hi, honey, um, well, uh, here are some divorce papers. Um, I'm about to get married to this other bitch. Oh, oh, baby, thank you, that's mine. Okay, bye. And then Augustus took Julia, and Scribina hardly ever saw poor Julia, like, ever, ever again. Like, they basically had no contact from that moment. <laughs> now, about... Three months later, after Julie was born, her dad got remarried to a lady named Livia, who he had fallen, like, absolutely head over heels for, despite the fact that she was married and um, also pregnant with her second baby. But because Augustus was, like, essentially in charge of Rome at this point, like, he, he wasn't emperor yet, but he was definitely in a very powerful uh, position. Um... Augustus uh, forced Livia's husband to divorce her, and then Augustus and her got married. Now, since Livia was Julia's uh, new stepmother, that meant she had to go live with Livia, which, uh, even though she was baby at the time and was raised by Livia her, like, entire life, I could totally see it 
as being like super awkward to live with the woman who replaced your mother, plus having like two new stepbrothers. Um, in good news, I haven't read anything suggesting Livia was a mean stepmom to Julia. Um, so at the very least, without her actual mother, she had a positive female role model in her life. And I think Livia would have been like a really good uh positive role model because um Livia was like exactly what like a Roman woman should be. Like she was pious, um, silent, um, supportive. She could have children, even though she never had any of Augustus' children, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but despite Livia having like all these like positive female attributes and being like this role model for Julia her whole life, uh, Julia would end up with a very opposite personality, a little bit too much like her mother, which mm, Augustus didn't like. Okay, so now that we have some of Julia's family drama out of the way, and yes, I said some. Don't worry, we'll get back into that in a second. It doesn't end the second she's born. Uh, first, let's discuss what her education and upbringing would have looked like as a young Roman lady. So, Julia grew up in Rome's swankiest neighborhood, known as the uh, Palatine Hill, which I mentioned in the Cleopatra Selene episode, because Cleopatra Selene also grew up there, and BTW, like I mentioned in Cleopatra Selene's episode, probably would have known Julia and grew up with her. But you can go listen to that episode uh, for uh, all that. Anyway, uh, the Palatine Hill was a pretty great place to grow up. Like, it was nice, it was clean, you know, you were important if you lived there, but Julia's dad was a really, he was a conservative and simple dude, and even when, he, he was even like this when he became emperor, like, it just because he got the gaudy position, position of emperor, that didn't change the fact that he wasn't, like, excessive, like, he was a very simple dude. Now, Julia grew up wearing very simple clothes and jewelry despite the fact that she could afford to go all out and her father and stepmother made sure that she and her stepbrothers were very polite and moral children now julia would have been taught how to take care of her husband's household and raise good roman children she was also taught spinning and weaving which was at the time like considered like a very old-fashioned thing to teach a girl at this point uh, but Augustus thought it was a good idea to teach uh, his daughter so that she could make her own fabric, which actually sounds really cool to me. But to Julia, it probably would have been some, like, boring shit she had to do all the time. <laughs> anyway, um, I also read Julia was a pretty avid reader, and her uh, teachers commented that she was clearly bright and a great lover of literature. She actually quoted a lot of the literature she read, which must have been annoying. <gasps> Uh, despite, um, her growing up really, really wealthy, she wasn't afforded a lot of freedom like you'd think she was, and she actually grew up fairly sheltered, like, she hardly ever left the Palatine Hill when she was a little kid. Now, any person that ever came to visit Julia had to be vetted by her father, and she was under no circumstances to associate with anyone he hadn't approved of beforehand, which sounds very suffocating and very controlling to me, but to be honest, it, it makes sense why, uh, Julia like rebels as she got older because he wants to be raised like that like that's a very very sort of suffocating environment to be in and to be fair Julia was her father's daughter because from what I read um younger Augustus was a pretty wild child so she's definitely getting a lot of that from him as from her mother um as for Julia's looks we don't really have very accurate descriptions of what she looked like but we do have some statues created 
uh, of her face while she was still alive. And when you compare them to statues of her dad, I think you can really see the resemblance between them. Uh, they have the same nose and eye shape. Also, I read Augustus was like a blonde kid that like faded to like a dirty blonde later in life. So it's safe to assume Julia was also probably blonde. Maybe. I don't really know the hair color of her mother, but like my guess is that she, Julia was probably blonde. Um, now, despite Julia's strict upbringing, I think you can uh, see right from the get-go that Augustus, he clearly loves his daughter. Maybe he's a little suffocating. And maybe that doesn't mean he always had her best interest at heart, but he definitely, like, cared a lot about her, even if it wasn't really in the right way. She, and also she was a political pawn after all. She was the daughter of a very important Roman man, and she was treated like one because he had high expectations for his only biological child. And I even read this quote from Augustus, which I think is kind of funny, where he joked that he had two lovely daughters to put up with, the Roman state and Julia. <laughs> now, this kind of reminds me of when Teddy Roosevelt, like the, the president, said he could either be president or attend his daughter Alice, but he could not possibly do both. Now, Alice and uh, Julia give me a lot of uh, strong parallels. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that Julia was obviously loved by her father, but unfortunately, she was also a Roman woman whose value was about to go up when she became the daughter of Rome's first emperor, which is going to be a very, very exciting and sad part of her life. Okay, so before we get into some of the more uh, juicier parts of Julia's life, let's talk about her love life because it is a low-key super important aspect of her uh, younger years. Okay, so at the ripe age of two years old, uh, she was engaged to Mark Antony's 10-year-old son from his first marriage because at the time of this engagement, Mark Antony and her dad, Augustus, were on great terms, but if you have listened to either of my episodes on the legendary Cleopatra and her daughter, you would know that Mark Antony was married to Julia's aunt, Octavia, and then straight up said, uh, bye, Octavia, and abandoned her and married Cleopatra, which was a pretty huge scandal. Now, immediately after that happened, Augustus broke off the engagement and started a war with Mark Antony, but he needed allies to do that, and Julia was pretty much his best bargaining chip, so he used her accordingly. He tried to engage her to this guy named uh, Costiso, the king of the Gatins, who would have been a pretty decent ally to Augustus during his war with Mark Antony. Still, this engagement plan kind of backfired when Costiso uh, joined Mark Antony's side of the war instead, so he had to abandon those plans. Uh, but don't worry, because Augustus uh, defeated Mark Antony and Cleopatra at the Battle of Actium, and not too long after that, the couple killed themselves, leaving Augustus, the sole ruler of Rome, finally. Now, Julia was about 11 years old when her father became the sole ruler of Rome and its first ever emperor, which would have been a pretty big deal for her since she was the emperor's only biological child. And, I mean, she was going to be a hit on the marriage market since any son she might have could become the next emperor of Rome after her father, and Augustus knew that. So, right when she was old enough, he got more serious about getting her properly married. Now, Augustus wanted someone to marry his daughter that was from a powerful family, but was also an easy-to-control person. He ended up settling on his own nephew. <laughs> That's right, folks. Augustus wanted Julia to marry Marcus Claudius Marcellus, who was the son of Julia's aunt Octavia from her first marriage, which means he is her first cousin, which is you. But to be fair, he fit... He, fit all the requirements needed to be Augustus' heir. He had the family name and the bloodline for him and Julia to have children together. 
And by right family, I mean her family because they were literally first cousins, but whatever. Um, Not to mention he was wealthy and looked like he was going to be a promising young statesman. And because of that, they were engaged. They ended up getting married in 25 BC in Rome. Uh, Julie was about 14 and her new hubby was 17. So all in all, not a bad age gap. Could be worse, you know, kind of like a Romeo and Juliet law sort of thing. It's, It's not a bad age gap. Now, uh, before we talk about Julia's new hobby, I want to discuss Roman weddings because I personally found it, like, interesting because I never really thought about, like, what are the traditions like for Romans to get married? And I wanted to give you guys, like, a good picture of what Julia's wedding would have been like since we, like, really don't have any descriptions on it. So, on a Roman woman's wedding day, uh, the groom would lead a procession to the bride's family home where the bride would be escorted by her bridesmaids to meet her future husband. Uh, She would be wearing a tunic recta, which was a white woven tunic uh, belted with an elaborate knot of Hercules. Uh, She would have carefully arranged hair and be wearing a orange wedding veil and orange shoes, which is, like, pretty cool. Like, it's, like, such an unorthodox, like, wedding color, and, like, all Roman uh, brides wore orange wedding veils. Like, Like, I don't know the significance of it, or even how they, like, got the fabric dyed orange, but, like, it's so cool. Like, what an interesting color to choose, you know? Now, after the marriage contract had been signed, there would be an enormous feast, and the day ended with a noisy procession to the couple's new home, where the bride would be carried over the threshold of the home so she wouldn't trip, which would have been a bad omen. And uh, one thing to know about the Romans is they were super superstitious. Like, they were like, oh no, it's cloudy today. That must be a bad sign. (laughs) So Julia's wedding likely looked a little something like this. She probably would have had orange veil, orange shoes. She would have had a feast. Um, also, one thing I didn't write down, but like I, I, I just remembered about Roman weddings, is that um, I think it was like the day before the wedding. Um, usually the bride would like go to their mother's house and collect flowers from their mother's garden to like make into like a, uh, a wreath for their hair to like attach to their orange veil, which I think is cool. But like, I'm, I don't know if Julia did this. Like, I wonder whose house she went to. Like, did she go to her stepmom's garden to get these flowers or did she have to like awkwardly shuffle over to her mom, actual mom's house be like, Hey mom, I'm here to take these flowers. By the way, I'm getting married. <laughs> And then she would just leave. I don't know. But it probably would have been awkward if she had to do that at her mom's house. Um, anyway, let's talk about Julia's new cousin husband. Um, what we know about Marcus is, like, pretty basic. From what I read, he seemed like he was a good kid. Uh, he was smart, well-educated, and he was a fairly close friend of Julia's uh, stepbrother, Tiberius. Um, it's pretty likely that Julia knew her cousin Marcus her whole life since her home on the Palatine Hill was very close to her aunt Octavia's house. So, um, in good news, at least they knew each other pretty well before they got married. Probably were pretty well acquainted. Uh, speaking of marriage, uh, they didn't really get much of a honeymoon since literally right after they got married, Marcus was shipped off to, uh, Spain to fight a war with Augustus, you know, to, like, uh, dip his toe in, uh, ruling since he could be the next emperor as well as any children him and Julia had. Uh, which, by the way, speaking of this war, I have to mention Augustus wasn't even at his own daughter's wedding because he was in Spain, probably fighting off some, like, Visigoths or something. Now, (laughs) 
The point is, this is how Julia spent 90% of her marriage to Marcus. He was always shadowing her dad, and she was always in Rome being a married woman, but with, you know, parental supervision, of course, without her husband. Now, Augustus had his friend and favorite general, Agrippa, act as her guardian, which is, you know, going to feel a little creepy later in the story. You guys will see. Now, most of the time, as someone who had just entered married society, uh, Julia would have spent her time going to plays and parties, which is great because she loves socializing. She was a very social butterfly with people. Now, eventually, her husband did come back, but not even that lasted long. Both her father and her husband, after they came back from Spain, became dangerously ill, and many were worried that they would both die. Now, luckily, Augustus did pull through, but Marcus did not. Uh, Julia's husband died in 23 BC at 19 years old, leaving Julia widow at the ripe old age of 16. Now, Marcus was cremated and buried in the family mausoleum in Roma. Sorry, Rome. Why did I say Roma? I mean, that's not technically incorrect. Anyway, um, now after the appropriate morning time had gone by and Augustus made some political moves, Julia was about to enter into her second marriage which ended up being pretty interesting, but I think you guys will see that in a second. Okay, so about two years later, when Julia turned 18, she was engaged to none other than her dad's best friend and best general, Agrippa. See, I told you this was going to make you uncomfortable. Okay, so let's talk about why on earth Augustus wanted to engage his daughter to Agrippa and a bit about this guy's background. Now, Agrippa had come from a pretty not modest uh, noble background in the Italian countryside. His family wasn't really in social circles, but when he met his bestie Augustus, his whole life fucking turned upside down. Now, these two men were incredibly tight, and Augustus realized Agrippa had good leadership skills, and he was a soldier, which came in pretty good handy. Now, Agrippa was one of the many reasons Augustus was able to muster troops, and it was Agrippa's leadership that helped Augustus win some pretty important battles like Actium. Now, over the last few years, they had a small falling out since Agrippa had expected maybe he would be heir over um, uh, Julia's first husband, Marcus, but when it looked like... um, that wasn't going to be hap- happen for him. Uh, Agrippa got a little pissy and he just left Rome. But when he was called back, Augustus was like, hey, bro, you want to marry my daughter? And Agrippa was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> However, there was a problem since Agrippa was already married to a lady named Claudia Masselia, who was the sister of Julius' first husband, Marcus. But the minute Agrippa heard he was going to marry the daughter of Augustus, he was like, bye-bye, Claudia. And he divorced Claudia Marcellia so he could marry Julia. Now, I'm sure this made family jitters awkward since Claudia Marcellia was her cousin and also her sister and ex-sister-in-law. But even though it wasn't Julia's fault, she still sort of stole her cousin's husband, so that must have made things uncomfortable for everyone. Now, Julia and Agrippa got married in 21 BC, and I have to mention that once again, Augustus was not present because he was done in Sicily, which makes me laugh because it's crazy that he could not make any of his daughter's weddings. Like, they cannot make this motherfucker's schedules schedule <laughs> fit his daughter's weddings. Anyway, the bride was 18 and Agrippa was 40 fucking three years old, which is like, eh. I mean, she dodged a bullet in her first marriage getting someone who was about her age, but this guy was the same age as her dad. And also, he already had children who were about her age. So, <laughs> but in good news, they weren't cousins. So, yay. <laughs> Um, now, because her husband had such an insanely active role in the Roman government and was actually um, in Rome a lot more, she got to spend more time with him. And while 
I would not say they were in love or anything. I think they liked each other well enough and like had a decent amount of respect for each other. But on the other hand, her husband was also in his 40s, so the sex probably wasn't the best. So Julia ha started to have flings with other men in order to, you know, meet her needs. Uh, one of her earliest relationships was with this guy named, oh boy, I hate pronouncing these Roman names, Sempronius Gracchus, who was... <laughs> Let's just call him Semi, uh, who was a Roman statesman. Apparently, it was a pretty long-term affair, lasting about 14 years, so I'm figuring they uh, were probably, like, really involved, like, they were probably really happy. Um, anyway, back to Julia's actual marriage. Now, the newlyweds would have lived in this luxurious villa um, just outside of Rome, which, as I have been told, uh, is really nice, and uh, it must have been nice <laughs> because Julia got pregnant pretty fast after they got married. Um, in 20 BC, about a year after the wedding, Julia gave birth to her first child, and it was a boy! Yeah! Uh, they named it Gaius Caesar, um, and Augustus was absolutely ecstatic to have a grandson and immediately adopted the kid so he could be taken and raised by him, which, you know, may sound kind of weird because, you know, little Gaius Caesar has two living parents, like, why would he need to be adopted by his grandfather? But it was actually a pretty common thing to adopt kids or even adults in Rome so that they could be your heir, even if they had living parents. Just like a pretty common thing. Now, we don't know how Julia felt about little Gaius Caesar being raised by her father. But in my opinion, I think she probably would have been okay with it since she, she knew this kid was going to get like the best education and would be loved. And while Julia is usually painted as like a pretty bad and neglectful mom, which we'll get into later, um, I think she really wanted the best for her children. And, you know, was okay with letting Grandpa Augustus, you know, raise the kids. Um, now, since her husband was a very important general, his job involved a lot of traveling. Now, unlike many Roman women of the time, Julia was allowed to accompany Agrippa on many of his journeys throughout the empire. Now, uh, not too long after she gave birth to her first son, she accompanied Agrippa to Gaul, which is modern-day France, uh, where he served as governor for two years. And it was here that she had her second child, a girl that they also named Julia. Um, upon their return to Rome in 18 BC, uh, Julia had her second son, Lucius Caesar, who Augustus, of course, also adopted. Um, in 17 BC, uh, Julia and Agrippa took a tour of uh, Greece, and it's here where she gave birth to her fourth child, a girl named Agrippina, who, uh, by the way, very important child, will definitely get her own episode one day, or maybe multiple parts. Anyway, um, also on one of their trips, uh, Julia was actually meant to meet up with her husband in what is modern-day Turkey, would have been called Anatolia back then, and on Julia's way to meet Agrippa, she literally almost drowned in a flash flood. And Julia was so angry. He, like, fined the locals because, like, it's, it's like, kind of their job to, like, warn her about, like, uh, like um, natural, like, obstacles. So <laughs> he fined, like, the locals of the area for, like, not being like, hey, there's a flash flood. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think this, like, anger towards like the locals for like almost killing his wife shows like how much he cared for her despite the age difference between them like I think they had like a pretty decent marriage even if it wasn't like true love or anything now despite them traveling a lot they did spend a decent amount of time in Rome and when they were there Julia was like the absolute like it girl of Rome now history tells us that Julia was an adulterous party girl which is not 
incorrect, but it's also an unfair statement given to us by biased historians employed by Julia's father. Now, did Julia drink and party? Yeah. Did she sleep around? Maybe, because she felt lonely? Yeah. But she... To be honest, who gives a shit? Like, Julia was a girl with a lot of personality in a time where women were expected to be modest, chaste, and silent. And thanks to the image, um, Augustus gave off. But... You know, Augustus was a huge fucking hypocrite. As I said before, one of the reasons I think Augustus was, like, so tough with Julia is because she was too much like him. Like, especially like him as he was when he was a teenager. Um, after all, Augustus was a crazy partier and also, as I heard, famously good in bed as a teen and a young adult. But um, his personality changed as he became more important. And maybe he was afraid that Julia was going to ruin her life by being just like him, which is probably why we have this bad perception of what she was like. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Okay, to uh, lighten the mood, I just want to throw out some of Julia's best one-liners that I found that are actually very funny because she was a very sassy person. Now, one time, somebody once marveled how unlikely it was that all of Julia's children looked like her husband, considering how she carried on with so many other dudes. So, Julia shot back and said, I take on only a passenger when the ship's hold is full, which basically means the best birth control in the world is being pregnant with my husband's baby. (laughs) So... It's pretty likely all of the children Julia had were actually Agrippa's and not someone else's. I love that for her. I like. <laughs> I love how she was like, oh, you're going to call me a slut? No. No. <laughs> Fuck you. Okay, so this next joke is probably my favorite. Now, one day Julia's father was not happy with her revealing outfit that she was wearing. So the next day, upon seeing her in more modest attire, he remarked, How much more proper is this dress for a daughter of Augustus? To which Julia replied, Why, today I decked myself out for my father's eyes and yesterday for my husband's. (laughs) And this honestly queen behavior. I love how super sexy and sassy she was because, you know, at the time a lot of women weren't allowed to be that. But Julia was just like straight, you know, fuck it. I'm going to wear this leg plunging neckline. I am going to fuck whoever I want. And I make sure I'm pregnant with a group of kid while doing it. Uh, you know, because she was the motherfucking daughter of Augustus. Yeah, go Julia. Okay, so this is where everything starts going downhill. So I hope you guys are strapped into your chariots. Because this is sad. Now, unfortunately for Julia, her husband Agrippa died in 12 BC at the age of 51. And Julia was pregnant at the time and gave birth to her and Agrippa's last child, which was a boy that she named after him. Now, you would think at this point, having done most of the things one would expect of a woman at the time, like having children and being married, you would think, oh, yay, I can live the rest of my life as a wealthy widow with all my children. But you would be so, so wrong. Now, with Agrippa gone, Augustus still wanted a capable capable adult to take over after he was gone. Um, His grandson, Gaius, at the time was only like eight or something. So Julia needed to get married to the next heir, and that person was none other than her stepbrother Tiberius. Yay! That's right, folks. A person she has known her whole life and has grown up with calling brother is now going to be her new husband, and everyone but Augustus knew this was a bad idea. Now, Julia and Tiberius were very opposite personalities in like so many ways like he was the kind of person who stayed indoors with like a bottle of scotch and like watched the history channel and shit and julia liked to be out socializing and going to parties in her best outfits like 
like they could have not been more fucking different people. But Augustus and stepmama uh, Livia thought it was a great idea. So once Julia recovered from the birth of her son, she was engaged to Tiberius and they got married in 11 BC. Also, I have to mention that Tiberius was also, in fact, also already married. <laughs> and he had to divorce his pregnant wife in order to marry Julia because Augusta said so, which sucked because Tiberius, like, fucking loved his wife and he didn't want to divorce her. But when the emperor tells you to do something, you fucking do it. Also, funny fact about Tiberius' ex-wife, she was actually the daughter of Agrippa from one of his earlier marriages. So Julia stole her stepdaughter's husband from her, which means she stole two family members' husbands from them on accident, which is fucking hilarious to me. Now, at first, believe it or not, Julia and Tiberius' marriage actually seemed to be going pretty well. And they, they seemed to be, like, really into each other and spending a lot of time together. And they even had a son, like, a year into their marriage, who they named uh, Tiberius. But then things started to sort of break down. Um, in late 10 BC, their only son together uh, unfortunately died at the age of one. Uh, we're not really sure what uh, killed him. I mean, this happened all the time. Infant mortality was very high. And in the same year, Tiberius's beloved little brother, uh, Drusus, died in a horse riding accident. Um, both of them, I, th I think, were like right with both of these things happening at the same time, became, like, really depressed and angry and started taking it out on each other. Uh, Julia went out drinking and partying to distract herself, which made Tiberius, like, think, like, really low of her character. And uh, Julia started to complain that Tiberius was, like, beneath her. She was the blood of Augustus, not him. Like, why, like, sh she shouldn't be married to him. And they just went, like, back and forth and back and forth until Tiberius, like, left on a trip for the city of Rhodes. And it was reported at this point that they were sleeping in separate beds. And they, they just hated each other. Now, Julia wanted it, wanted a divorce, but... Uh, I guess this wouldn't have it, but as Julia's behavior started to get more, like, lewd and embarrassing, like, she was determined to embarrass Augustus until, like, he gave her what she wanted. And he knew he needed to get rid of her, so, um, Tiberius ended up, um, complaining, no, sorry, it was Augustus. Sorry, I guess, it's early. Um, Tiberius, sorry, no, Augustus, complained to the Senate and had... Um, Julia arrested for treason and adultery, of which she was, you know, only guilty of one of these things. Um, Augustus accused Julia of her having plotted to kill him, and later on, Tiberius would say she was trying to kill him, but both of these were very, very false accusations. Julia may have been proud and, like, a little bit of, like, a high-strung bitch, but she would have never tried to kill anyone. Um, in 2 BC, Augustus had Julia exiled to a very, very tiny island off the coast of Italy where she would be barred from all men and wine. Now, the only good news was that Julia's mother, her biological mother, Scribina, voluntarily agreed to join Julia in exile, so at least she had the company of her mother on the island, which probably would have been depressing without Scribina. Now, eventually, um, Julia was moved into a mainland town where she was allowed to walk around the town, and she was given an income, income from her father, uh, but they never spoke to each other again, and Augustus hardly ever talked about her once he hicked her out. Now, apparently, Julia's exile was very unpopular with the Roman people who adored her, and over the years, uh, several people put up petitions to have her forgiven and brought back to Rome. 
but the common people never ended up winning. Now, slowly over the years, she may have found out about the fates of her children, which weren't exactly uh, positive. Um, her youngest son, Agrippa, was also exiled because of his unruliness, and he died in exile. Then her daughter, Julia, was also sent to an island for adultery, where she also died. Um, her oldest son, Gaius, died uh, due to an injury in battle, and her other son, Lucius, died from an unknown illness. Now, the only one of her children to have children and live a decently full life was her daughter, Agrippina, but that's a story for another day. We'll get into that one of these days. Now, eventually, after several years in exile, she would have heard the news of her father's death in 14 AD, and now with all her sons dead, Tiberius was emperor now. Yay! <laughs> Now, while at the start of Julia's exile, Tiberius had, like, kind of felt a little bad for her. I mean, he had, like, run off to Rhodes and, like, had, like, heard about, like, what Augustus had done to her, like, from there. And, like, he, he was like, oh, fuck, I kind of feel bad. Now that he was emperor, he was a little bitter now. <laughs> and he started taking away her money, so she had no way to buy food. Uh, he stopped sending her gifts, and eventually Julia got sick from starvation, and she died either... Uh, shortly after her father died in 14 AD or the next year in 15 AD at the age of about 52. Now, Julia requested that she be buried with her father in the family crypt, but Augustus stated explicitly in his will that she was not allowed to be buried there. So instead, she was buried uh, elsewhere, probably in the town that she died. Maybe we're not really sure, which is so, so fucking sad. Like, oh my God, like, Augustus, what the fuck? Why would you do that? That's so mean. That's your daughter. <laughs> I'm sad. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into legacy. Now, as I have discussed, Julia has a bad reputation in Roman history as this like loudmouthed, uncontrollable daughter of Augustus. But she was so so much more than that. I mean, she was those things, but like fucking who cares? She was smart and beautiful, and I think she just wanted to be happy and free in the end. But due to her father's ambition and controlling nature, he clipped her wings and sentenced her to have a bad reputation due to misogyny and like complete bullshit. However, in good news, thanks to her daughter, Agrippina, Julia became the ancestress of some of Rome's first emperors, both good and bad. Uh, you'll see that one day when I talk about Agrippina, because this family story just gets crazier <laughs> after Julia. And I think when we talk about Agrippina one of these days, you'll see that Agrippina definitely got all of her mother's sass. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me in this episode. I will see you in a couple of weeks. I don't think I'm going to come back until the new year or something like that for season four. Bye guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at longmaysherain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a two instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.